of a deal. But when you accept the invite, it like, it like, a little phantom like bar pops underneath mine that says you're in the green room. And- <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I, it, I wish it had a little sound bite that was, that was like, you know, door control to Sam. Ben is in the green room. <laughs> yeah. Like some, <laughs> some, uh, staff member. <laughs> yeah. I oh, was got the talent it, in the back. I, I know. <laughs> I, this is not even a little bit related to music, but I worked for a while for the uh, Frisco Rough Riders. And one oh, really? time JC Penny was using the uh, Dr. Pepper ballpark. They were using the baseball stadium to shoot mm. some photos for a catalog. Mm-hmm. And they had these models like flown in. I mean, you know, they, they were from Florida and New York and Washington and all these crazy places. And they just had them getting ready in in one of the dugouts. I mean, in, in one of the uh, clubhouses. Mm, and, I was going to uh, say dugout. What? <laughs> yeah, I know that'd be yeah a little public. Um, but but yeah, they, you know they were back in the 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 clubhouse, and it was the home mm. clubhouse. So it was the nicer of the two. But mm. you know they were doing the pictures like out in the outfield bleachers and stuff. And so they had people on radios, and every once in a while you'd just hear the uh, talent is ready in the green room. They will be making their way to the left field bleacher shortly. You know, and it was I, Secret service. And I, like I, I was, I was an intern at the time. And so like I had to babysit the JC Penny people. And I, I mean, I was just there to be a representative of the rough riders. I, and basically, basically I got paid to stand in the sun all day. Well, I didn't get paid. It was an unpaid internship, but I was, uh, in, yeah, I did get like free tickets and stuff. So in a way, I guess I got paid, but if the IRS asked, I did not get paid. Um, but, don't look into my past. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> definitely don't audit my 2012 tax return or 2011 tax return. I literally um, made no money. Please don't do it. Yeah, that. seriously. I, yeah. <laughs> They're like, yeah, we were going to come after you, but it shows your income as being $7,300 that year. So what I was saying, yeah. Um, <laughs> and by the I don't know if you can hear, I, I have tweaked this mic and I, I spent about 15 minutes or so really trying to get all the details. Um, so yeah, I it hope sounds it sounds good. better. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, I have it, you know, I have a little monitor in my ear. And it sounds pretty good. I can hear you clear. Okay, good. Yeah, I need to get one. And I, I actually, I don't have any plug-in headphones anymore. But mm. I, I, and my Bluetooth ones died. I, I left them on after I got home from the gym the other day. <laughs> <laughs> well, no worries, man. Yeah. But, well, uh, so we're yeah. going to try out Shuffle Roulette today? Hell yeah, man. Let's do it. All right. Uh, this this is my go? first drink, by the way. I promise. I'm just, I'm just happy it's Friday, man. <laughs> yeah, me too, man. It's it's been a a busy week. It's been a hell of a week. And then next week's going to be crazy too. But this week's been a lot of admin work than anything. Yeah. It's a lot of managing. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, because I'm a because I'm a lawyer and not the fun courthouse type, but the boring contract type, like most of even when I'm busy, it's all admin work that I'm basically just doing for other people. Mm. And uh, and then, yeah, then when I have to do my and I don't mind doing it, I enjoy it. And then when I have to do it, I'm just going, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like 
Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> what, I have to pay the... rent again? I just did just that last month. <laughs> just did that. Just give me a break. Just God, how, how often am I going to have to do this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't even want to talk about that. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry about that, man. <laughs> <laughs> Let me uh, steer us uh, away. <laughs> yeah, good call. Um, uh, I, well, I guess I kind of want to open it up with this though, because I know Shelfarilla is is untested, and we have no idea what it will yield, uh, anyways. Um, but I was just curious, um, like what immediately comes to mind if I when I ask you, uh, what have you been listening to? I don't know. Just I don't know. Just keep a running update about what's in your you know revolving playlist or whatever. Yeah, excellent question. So, um, the past few days, I've I've been listening to music primarily at work, and so mm. it's been a lot of instrumental stuff. Um, and I, I wish I had a better answer. I really do, but like I'll get on um, you know a streaming service or whatever, and just yeah. and just have it play classical or jazz or. There's a great, um, I use the, uh, the Amazon echo who is not paying mm-hmm. us for that endorsement. Um, um, I, I use that a lot as my music source because it's easy to just say, Alexa, do this. And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. and, um, there's a great station that's called like chill groove beats to study to, or some stupid oh, long lo- name lo- like that. Lo-fi chill beats to study to. Yeah, something like that. Classic. Yeah. Did you did you ever listen to that playlist on YouTube, like when you're in college or anything? No, I know what I'm talking about. There's like there's like a very specific one where there's like this like anime uh, video of like this girl like on her computer or or reading a book, and just like it just runs like constantly. (laughs) And uh, I I remember the first time I witnessed that, I had a, a roommate in college, and he had that on, and I was like, does that just play forever and he's like yeah yeah it's just like a running like playlist of different chill lo-fi beats to study to i don't know that's literally just what it is and and it was constantly updated and uh yeah i don't know and so then i got on the train because he he like blew my I, I just remember that i can still see that like in my mind like walking up to his desk and being like what is that and then he explains what it is and then he also tells me what um what other things he listens to as he's studying um and uh and he explains video game uh soundtracks to me and that he listens to that while he's studying and i had never heard that before and he was like well they're they're made those those soundtracks are made to not distract you they're made to you know um invoke some kind of feeling you know um or you know get you really focused get you jazzed up you know whatever it's all full range of music sure but the most thing is is it's not supposed to like really like take up your full attention and so it's really good to run in the background um and that kind of blew my mind that kind of changed how i use associated music with work and studying um and it honestly probably ramped up how much i enjoyed like that lo-fi stuff or that excuse me like that chill wave kind of stuff yeah you know, like washed out I mean, I trust whatever kind of thing uh Cause then, yeah, I mean, I'm still that way. I mean, when I'm working, I mean, I'm wearing a washed out t-shirt right now. Um, the, uh, when I'm working, that's just like my favorite thing to listen to. It's like, if I'm working at a pace that is normal for me, I like that chill stuff. It just keeps me like in that, you know, 
good mindset of like thinking, you know, or I need to really mull things over and it's just like whatever good grooves. But if it's, if I'm about to go to a sales call, yeah, I'll throw on, you know, some hip hop or, or some, um, some rock or some heavier, uh, metal or something. I mean, who, who knows, but, the uh, I don't know it, but that, that's just, I, it's just funny. It's just me coming back to that moment in college and being like blown away that like, Oh, I never like, I don't know. Cause I just think my music taste at that point in college was very, uh, fad led like, Oh, my friends are listening right. to this or this is what's popular. Um, and so I didn't have like, and at the time there weren't all these algorithms that were super practiced and all knowing, um, <laughs> that could spit out these people, you know, like here's this guy from Russia who makes the exact thing you're looking for. And you're like, Oh wow. He has, you know, 200 followers. Like what the hell? How did you know I wanted this? Um, <laughs> but none of that. <laughs> and so, um, I don't know. It just kind of blew my mind to realize, well, one, that playlist was a, a great resource and it's been a great resource to probably millions of people, but, um, it's, it's just so funny now that I, I still definitely use it as reference and practice that type of stuff when it comes to music. And, you know, I work with other people in an office or I used to. And so I would always be the DJ. <laughs> and so I would try and play stuff that, you know, you know, jived with everybody. You know, I had people that were in their fifties, thirties, forties, this person loves heavy metal. This person loves uh, country. Um, and I'm about to play something right in the middle that they'd never heard of from some hipster in Brooklyn, you know, <laughs> uh, but it's like, if it works out, it's great. Um, and it's just been that, you know, chill stuff. <laughs> That's been like my main work groove. Yeah. I feel like for a minute. Well, you know, that, At least a that video, the video game soundtrack thing, someone told me that a long time ago that, uh, that the video game soundtracks were designed that way. And, mm. um, when I was in law school, I tried it out and uh, first off, I can tell you it's very effective. Um, yeah. but, but what I learned is that I had to pick video games that I didn't actually enjoy playing <laughs> because I listened to the GoldenEye soundtrack a lot. Oh and yeah. Then, you said that before. Yeah. And then, then one day I fired up the old N64 and, you know, I was playing, you know, bunker two or something like that. <laughs> and I started having these like flashbacks to reading about <laughs> criminal procedure and, and, you know, constitutional law and all this stuff. <laughs> no. <laughs> and, and I was like, okay, I need to, <laughs> but you know what I, um, um, someone, and it, it may have been my business partner, but it may have been someone else. They turned me on to something called eight bit radio. Mm. Um, and I, I think Spotify has one. There's a few places that have it and it's like these, um, these eight bit video game sounding covers of popular yeah. music. And, yeah. um, yeah, so that's pretty cool because even, even if it's a song that you a hundred percent would recognize if you're paying attention to it, mm -hmm. it, because it sounds like, you know, it's the soundtrack to Mario three, it, do it doesn't really, um, yeah. you know, it's, oh, it's no, not yeah. distracting. So that's awesome. Man, I'm, 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 while you're saying that, it's killing me because I listened to a podcast. I want to say it was one of the Questlove Supreme ones. Um, but man, I can't remember who it was. It wasn't, anyways, the individual that I'm, that I remember, he, that's how he first came into music was he wanted to like make music based off of video game, like 8 bit music. And so his first like introduction to like making music was like jazzing up video game music. And so, but, but that version of it, like not modern for music, but like probably like 
right. late 80s, uh, probably a little before that. And yeah. uh, so man, something that you could have could have bought on like a Commodore 64 or an Atari 2600. <laughs> mm, yeah, man, I'm, I'm going to have to look that up. It's going to take me too long to figure that out. But uh, but yeah, no, it, it blew my mind because I remember um, just going back to all the um, video games, I guess, that I, I, I felt that was like aesthetically pleasing, like or, you know. <laughs> never made me feel stressed out you know i didn't go to the horror movies to get my soundtracks um <laughs> but, going, <laughs> but you know like I, like a lot of like in, independent like um smaller studio games typically have like really good ambient music or whatever right um but anyways yeah um yeah that just blew my mind I just, it's just so funny because I, I just remember that taking me being so taken back by like oh shoot they're made that way I should really listen to that. And then I, I remember that actually really inspired me for another reason too. Cause you know, at that point in my, in my life, I had stopped going to school, which I had originally gone to school for film and I kind of like got burnt out on it and also had some professors that were just not very encouraging. Um, and so I was just kind of like not trying to think about it. You know, I wasn't going to go see the newest movie that I was excited about. I wasn't going to go, uh, uh, listen to the soundtrack if I really liked the movie. I mean, all these obsessive things I, I used to do, I was just, you know, kind of I, moving away from it. Not, I, I didn't really want to, but it was just something I did unintentionally. And um, when that happened and, and he told me this thing about the video game soundtrack, that reawokened my appreciation for film soundtracks, for movie soundtracks. And I, I just remember this is kind of random. Um, I just remember, yeah, getting a new appreciation for that. Like going back to old movies, even like, uh, the good, the bad and the ugly and, and, and really appreciating, um, um, stuff like that. I mean, like, um, I'm forgetting the Italian composer that did that whole album. Uh, yeah. Mancio, it, it, um, yeah. Cause all, all of those Sergio Leone, uh, movies had really, really great soundtracks. The whole, yeah. uh, the whole dollars trilogy, all that. I mean, that, that, uh, yeah, the I, man with no name stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it, you know, it's like, I understand when people say, oh, well, I don't like those movies. I, I get it because there is a lot of silence and a lot of like sure. weird, wide, artsy, fartsy shots. Um, but I man, love that. It, it, I know. <laughs> it, it, and it's just it, and with the with the scores, it's just so perfect. And uh, it feels so epic. It's like it if does. you're going to soak in a moment. Like I'm going to even dull it down, not some epic moment, like some movie curated crap, but you wake up in the morning, the sun's coming up, your coffee actually tastes great, perfect today. And you're just looking out at the sun and you just have that 10 seconds of just like, man, today's all right. You know, this feels good. Like, oh yeah, good. man. It's, it's like that. It's like that, but in movie form, <laughs> yeah. it's like capturing these epic moments. And then you also have, um, uh, um, a tremendous soundtrack involved. Um, but, but I don't know. It's just, I love that stuff. I was just talking about this with a cousin of mine that the modern, um, well, and a friend of mine the other day. Um, cause I had a professor, I remember at one time say that, um, MTV or he believed, um, it might've been in our book too, but he had this strong passion that music videos and the MTV version of music videos really warped how people perceived like, um, movies and video like media. And so instead of, um, cause like pre MTV, I'm just thinking of it in the same way he was trying to explain it pre MTV, 
you had movies that ran at a certain pace and like it was very long shots, you know, very dedicated shots of, um, and it wasn't all B roll. It wasn't all just like filler stuff. It was like him walking from one end of the room to the other. It was just like the fill in the gap of reality. And that was just a part of the, you know, wow, the flavor and, uh, and the ambiance. Cause you wanted to feel a little, I don't know, it's reality. It's bored, boring sometimes. Um, <laughs> and, and he said that, after music video, after MTV became super popular that you, you could notice that, uh, mainstream like movies really started to pick up their pacing and like frame rate or not frame rate, but uh, timing of, of a shot. Um, cause like I remember being taught in school, like a music video should be like three. I mean, they're totally different if you want, but like one of the things I was taught was like it, most shots should be about three seconds long. And to keep it, you know, grooving, keep it moving, keep it interesting, keep it to the beat, and you'll you'll keep people really dialed in. And and it seems like, and then you look at like some people that create stuff for YouTube or whatever, and like their stuff is even faster. It's just like you know, cut here, cut here, like all these weird, you know, rapid cuts, and it's crazy, but it's sensational, and it's getting people really plugged in. And it's the same thing with music videos. And so uh, I just. I don't know. That's a topic that's kind of dear to me that the difference in like modern and I don't know, cinema, like 50 years ago that like, like, and I know this isn't music related, but the pacing is just so different, but the pacing like brought on more opportunity for ambiance and, and aesthetic stuff like the music, like giving the music a, a long opportunity to fill some kind of expressive gap, whether it's in the story, whether it's in some pensive moment of this, you know, oh, this character going through an existential, you know, uh, meltdown. Who knows? It it just it's it's just bringing it all to a to a you know not to a head, but to to an interpretive um, um, point to where you you know you're just taking it all in. I don't know. That's why I love the slow pacing stuff because it's more uh, you got to digest it. It's not just you're, they're spoon feeding it to you and they're telling you this is the story, this is the next chapter, this is what's happening. It's like with this stuff, I don't know. And this is maybe me being a little too artsy, whatever, into to film. <laughs> but but when it comes to that, and that's why I think Quentin Tarantino is is such a gem, and why people really like his his movies is because he still holds that. He does that a lot, and he also respects music a ton, and he incorporates it very well and meshes it very well and uses it in an expressive way, not just in a you know it'll oh, fit the vibe and put it in the background type of thing. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's a very long rant, but, um, I, I just particularly what just woke me up too was just like thinking about the good and the bad and the ugly and just thinking like, yeah, that is a really long movie. There are some really long shots, but that is a damn good movie. And has a damn good soundtrack. Cause I mean, I don't know if you ever listen to the soundtrack, but like, obviously most people that know the movie would know the main theme of it. Yeah. Um, but then uh, there's these, there's these other tracks called uh, the the trio, which is the other main title that they play at the end, and then the right. ecstasy of gold. I mean, like th those three songs are amazing. Like those are so fantastic. And uh, that's, yeah, that I don't know. Like I just want to make sure I said that. <laughs> yeah, that. That sounds like a Velvet Underground song. The the ecstasy of gold. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> well, who, who this, knew this Lou Reed had something to do with the good, the bad, and the ugly? Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was '66. No, maybe they got this, for those just joining. You're listening to Movie Mythology with Sam and Ben. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, no, this I'm is my kidding. previous interest. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I'm, I'm with you, and, and and it has kind of flipped. And I, you know, it, I, you know, obviously we're not a movie podcast, and plus, I'm not the person to talk about movies because I I like. I, I admit that I don't understand enough about movies to appreciate them the same way that a lot of people do. And my, my wife does. My wife is more, way more of a movie person than I am, but I'm also way mm. more of a music person than she is. But, you know, okay. I can remember taking, um, y- you know, various classes in college, mostly electives. <laughs> um, and, you know, they, they talked about some of that and how, like, if you watch uh, Psycho, the, you know, the original mm. Alfred Hitchcock Psycho, Mm-hmm. You know the the stabbing scene. First off, fun fact about that movie: it was the first movie um, to ever show a toilet being flushed. So that's kind of fun. But um, but also, you know, when she gets stabbed in the shower, there's a bunch of cuts really quick. I mean, there's oh, there's right. like twenty mm-hmm. cuts or something in like yeah, a it's very you know, disturbing. eighteen second <laughs> clip, yeah. right? Um, yeah. But that was used to great effect because so much of the rest of the movie is is the kind of classical mm-hmm. uh longer shots um yeah. you know a, a lot of that kind of thing and you know so that was a time when all those quick cuts were used uh to effect and i think it's kind of flipped now where movies have gotten to where they're more about the quicker cuts and stuff and so occasionally oh, yeah. you see a very long shot for effect um yeah. And, you know, and I, I do wonder if the guys, the the kind of last real crusaders for that, not counting Quentin Tarantino, mm-hmm. um, but you know, really the the last crusaders were people like Francis Ford Coppola and Stanley Kubrick, um, and even if you watch Eyes Wide Shut, which was Stanley Kubrick's last movie and was actually released posthumously, I mean, mm-hmm. it. It's a beautiful movie. Um, you, you know, the plot is what the plot is, and I guess if you're not the kind who wants to watch people, uh, you know, cavorting around completely nude, but wearing weird masquerade masks um, and whatever. And I get that. Um, plus, you know, Tom Cruise rubs people the wrong way. So yeah, I, I get it. Um, but the movie is beautifully shot, um, just like all Stanley Kubrick. I mean, even The Shining, which which incidentally oh, yeah. is the only horror movie I like. And it's it's constantly rated as like the scariest movie of all time or the best horror movie of all time. And to me, I don't even really see it as a horror movie. To me, it's just a beautiful mm. piece of art that happens to have, you know, 20,000 gallons of blood coming out of an out of, out of an elevator. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's how I feel about 2001 is like a really cool soundtrack, too, uh, by the way. Uh, but like 2001 Space Odyssey, like. Oh yeah. It's like, it's so slow. Like it absolutely is. But like, you got to realize like that's time set and setting of like this thing coming out and realizing like how big of a deal, like some of these visuals were and how big of an achievement, just the, uh, the, like a, some, like, I don't know, just the, the practical effects that they use and just, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's stellar. Well, even um, at the at the very beginning, starting out with the da 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 da, when the yeah, you know the chimpanzee right. throws the bone up in the air, and that's how the movie starts. I mean, it, it, right. it's yeah. Oh man, and and plus, uh, Stanley Kubrick also did Doctor Strangelove, which which is probably one of my three favorite movies ever because Peter Sellers is such a gem. But um, yeah. Uh, Peter Sellers between that and the old Pink Panther movies when he was Jacques yeah. Cousteau, the troubleshooter, um, which was how he said troubleshooter, uh, for if my parents listen to this, um, but, uh, <laughs> I love those movies, man. That, the, uh, the second one is like my favorite, the 
strikes back or whatever. Oh yeah. The Pink Panther strikes back when like oh, all yeah. the assassins are after him. <laughs> yeah. He has no idea. <laughs> yeah. He's like, that's like pre Mr. Bean. He's like Mr. Bean, but before that yeah. was a thing. My, uh, my, my mom's, uh, one of her sisters married a guy named Ted and, uh, my uncle Ted was a great guy. He he loved music and had a great sense of humor about a lot of things. And he loved those old Pink Panther movies. And uh, you know, I don't I don't watch them too much anymore. But mm-hmm. you know, when I do catch them, um, or when I do see them, I I always I always remember kind of like I can put myself back in in Ted and Sandy's house with my with my cousins and and watching Jacques Clouseau. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Well, that uh, second one, still. man, it just that I just oh, remember so me and my family watching that so many times. Like, this is classic. Well, hey, how about we stay on topic? <laughs> <laughs> well, where's the fun in that? All no, right. I'm, I'm yeah, with well, you though. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> hey, I'm with you though. Here, I'll go. Right, I'll go first since I already have my phone out. Okay. All right. So I'm just gonna hit shuffle in my entire library. Oh, it's taking a second to load. It has like multiple thousands of things. So, yeah, that's I, I that's what I was so oh. curious is because there there are undoubtedly songs in my library that I haven't heard <laughs> since I downloaded the album. Oh and, yeah, and yeah, that sure, might have yeah. been fifteen or more years ago. So, <laughs> well, I got um, I got uh, well here I'll show it to the camera. Fuck it, I got Friday Morning by Kurungbin. Oh, uh, nice. So that's a classic, chill, very slow tempo song. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll just say what I know about Kurungbin. Um, been listening to him for a few years now. Texas-based, uh, Houston-based group, uh, trio. Um, but despite that, they're great. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Sorry for no, for, for those of you, for those of you listening who happen to not know, um, Sam and I are both up in the North Texas area in the the Dallas area. I'm in Dallas proper. Sam's a little bit west of that, and um, there is a long standing historical rivalry between the Dallas area and the Houston area. But I I don't like the weather in Houston, but Houston's got great food, a great music scene. So I'm not. I mean, it's all in jest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's. It's great music in Houston, but I will attest to not liking the toll road obsession in Houston. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and and the weather, the mugginess—it's just always so humid and whatever. But hey, they gave us Kurungbin, and they gave us Robert Glasper and Kamasi Washington and Chris Dave. <laughs> they gave us some amazing artists. So <laughs> I'll let it slide. I'll let it slide. Yeah, yeah just but, this once. <laughs> It's this once Houston, but, um, but no, man, it's, it's a great song. It's such a, such a chill album. It's off of the, uh, the, uh, um, Con Toro Del Mundo, um, album. And it's just so good, man. I just, that, I know, I think it's their second like studio album, but man, that, that album was one of my, um, study albums, work albums, whatever, um, rotation albums, like when I was really trying to focus in, um, the year it came out, which is, I think it was like 2018, um, maybe 2017, but it's, uh, it's so good. This chill album, super funky, primarily instrumental. And, uh, I mean, you know, Krungman, uh, um, oh, yeah. but it's just, um, 
Yeah, I don't know. That's that's that might not be like the song that I would send someone to like you know get them obsessed with them because I'd probably send them something a little upbeat, a little little more funky. But uh, but that one's such a good one. That, that's one of my favorite tracks off of that album. Um, yeah, it just fills in that good slow ethereal. <laughs> oh know, yeah chill groove if you're looking for it but yeah yeah and and That's for any, for any of y'all who haven't listened to krungbin i mean i i encourage you to do it that that uh sam turned me on to them pretty recently i mean I, I don't remember when that was a few months ago yeah um and that is a, a, a that is a debt that i owe you because it's i mean it's <laughs> it's been great and, and even my wife likes it which is nice because we so rarely get to listen to music that we both just really 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 enjoy and uh no it's it's been it's great so good, man yeah it's yeah, it's uh, like it's a they're it's one a of those thing yeah it's great yeah and it's like it's become one of those like um I don't know, Texan like sent signals or something. It's like you go in like a coffee shop or you go in like a bookstore or like whatever. And like, they're playing Krungman and you're like, Oh, all right. <laughs> they're up yeah. to date. And, and you know, they, they <laughs> yeah, yeah. You walk in, you hear Krungman, you just go, yeah, this place gets it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and they, they have served as, um, Leon Bridges backing band. Um, yeah. Or, or maybe Leon Bridges served as Crimson's contract frontman for a while, but um, <laughs> but either yeah, way, which so, I, I can't wait for their next one, the Texas Moon. Yeah, yeah, because they had Texas Sun, and now and now they need yeah. Texas Moon. Yeah. Um, hey, well, did I did I tell you that I was? Um, I don't know if you saw it on my Instagram yet. Uh, I went to the Krungman show when they were here uh, back in mid December, and. Uh, Man, at the it was it was just them the whole show, and then uh, they left, and then for the encore they came back, and when they came back, they came back with Leon Bridges. No way! Yeah, That's dude. awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was it was awesome. Yeah, and they played they played Texas Sun, and then a, they previewed a, a new song from the new the new album. Oh, um, that's awesome! Yeah, that was dude. That place went crazy. <laughs> oh, I, I bet. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, it, it's great, and and. Um, yeah, and and I do love Leon Bridges too. I I need to listen to more of him, um, you know, because nice at this point, good. oh yeah, and at this point, I've probably listened to more Krungbin on their own than I have Leon Bridges on his own mm. or with the band. But um, his last one's super good, man. The Gold Digger oh, yeah. sound. Well, and his, super I good. mean, his, and I have uh, Robert Glasper, or at really? least on the first track. Yeah, okay. he does the opening track for him. I think that one's nominated for a Grammy. If I'm not mistaken, man, that's awesome. Yeah, it'd be a dual Texan Grammy on that one. How about that? Oh man, you can all, you can always tell we're we're a proud people here in the Lone Star State. Uh, <laughs> when you keep bringing it up, like did I mention yeah, I'm well, from Texas? Did I uh, did I tell you that? <laughs> <laughs> well, and and I I promise this is a brief story. And I, Sam, I may have told you this off air before, so I apologize, but. I uh, apologize for the redundancy, but um, I, I did a I'm study abroad offended. in Germany and uh, there was this little um, kiosk, they call them, like a little bakery corner store thing. 
Mm. And every morning I would go in and, and I would try and order in German because I thought, well, you know, I'm on their turf. I might as well try. And, the, you know, the, the second I walk in and I'm like, hey, guten tag, they know I'm not from there, right? But, <laughs> like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. They're like, yeah. yeah. Um But yeah. And the, but the guy behind the counter was super nice and he would count like he would count change back to me very slowly and help me with my German a little bit, which was nice. Oh, that's nice. And the last day we were there in Bonn, um, the last day we were there, I went in like in the middle of the afternoon and uh, he, the guy behind the counter was very confused because he had only ever seen me at like 730 in the morning getting a cafe, <laughs> uh, getting a coffee and a, a mm. Käse Brochen, um, which is like a cheese pastry <laughs> thing. Oh, okay. That's what I And uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um it, he in in perfect English, right? Because everyone in Germany, you say, "Do you speak English?" And they go, "Yeah, a little bit." And then they speak English better than you do. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's, that's what I tell people: I'm like, "No, I speak a little bit of German. You speak impeccable English." And they're like, oh, "I don't know if I would." Uh, impeccable seems a bit derivative for the. And I'm like, "Oh my god, um, like, did you just hear yourself?" <laughs> yeah, I'm like, "Did you just use the word derivative correctly?" Um, I don't even use that word. No, <laughs> yeah, like, I don't even know what it means. I'm just quoting this guy. Um, but, um, yeah, so this guy, he was talking to me and, and he said, uh, he said, where are you from? And I said, Texas. And he goes, oh yeah, well here in Germany, we, we like Texans because everyone else would say America, but Texans always say Texas. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, dude. And I believe it. Yeah. yeah believe and it. between that and, it, you know, sometimes they would ask me where in Texas and I would say Dallas and they would, and this, this was 2010, um, mm. And I, I would say Dallas because if you say Rockwall, they don't know what that is. Um, but I would say Dallas, and they all, they all went, "Oh yeah, do you know Dirk Nowitzki?" And I like, I, nice. I would always be like, "Yeah, I mean, I know who he is, but it's not like we have lunch every day or anything like that. <laughs> we all live in the same village or I, anything. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it just is like it's the they they would they would get ten seconds into the credit check before they realized I wasn't rich enough to even live in the same zip code he did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, what what do you do? <laughs> yeah. Especially back then, I was just a college student. Um, yeah, exactly. I'm like I don't. Yeah, I've I've seen him on the court. <laughs> yeah, just uh, actually, yeah, I had coffee and uh, Kaza broaching with him last week. Uh, you know. <laughs> really? No. Yeah, you know the you know the huge Dallas community where we all get together in this multi thousand yeah. person you know breakfast meeting. Yeah, and serve exclusively German fare, so we have something to talk about. Um, yeah, exactly. Okay, well, I'll go. I've got my phone over here because I've got it on Do Not Disturb because I don't want any more people calling. Um, oh, that's a good idea. Okay, <laughs> shuffle. Okay. Oh, fun. Um, I will hold it up to the camera so you can see. Wow, what a bad camera I have. I got Fool in the Rain by Led Zeppelin. Oh, nice. That's on uh, which which album is that one on? Fool in the Rain. It is on In Through the Outdoor, and I will look. I think it came out in 1979. Let me look. Um, my phone says 1978. I don't know if that is the recording date or the release date. Um, I guess I should trust the phone, but either a 78 or 79 release. I do know that it was the last studio album recorded. Uh, well, the last studio album released uh, before John Bonham died. Mm. Um, 
they did release an album after that called Coda, but that was uh, yeah. obviously stuff that was recorded while um, John Bonham was still alive. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, ever, the, oh, go did ahead. Did they ever release anything without Bonham? Right, they never did anything without him. Right. No, they, uh, so Page and Plant played together a couple times in the 80s, uh, but they never, but they did not bill themselves as Led Zeppelin and John Paul Jones was, was not with them. Was Page um, a part of the Honey Drippers? You know, that's an excellent question. I don't know. I do love that EP though, because um, they've got that great cover of I've Got a Woman. Um, yeah. And, and plus, I'm look I, I it mean, up while you go. Yeah, and well, plus honey drip. I mean, that's an old, old, old blues expression uh, that means something actually pretty dirty if you Google it. Um, if they had an Urban <laughs> Dictionary in the 1930s, uh, you would have seen some crazy <laughs> this things. This wouldn't fly. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Oh, yeah, um, he did play with them. He did. Okay, Page, good. Page did, yeah. Um, but full, uh, so In Through the Outdoor, the album, uh, The so here's what I remember about In Through the Outdoor. Um, it's got, it's got a lot more like synth heavy stuff, um, mm. which was all John, Pon, all John Paul Jones playing because he was the best musician. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, in the evening is in that all my love is, is, is on in through the outdoor. And plus it's a very cool album because the album artwork, um, they had, I think it was five or six different album covers, um, but what it was is it was all the same scene, but shot from different angles. Um, oh, really? it, it, yeah, it was cool. And it was, if I remember correctly, I, of course I don't have the album artwork on my phone, but it's like a, a guy in a bar. Um, yeah, the white people, suit. Yeah. In the white suit. Yeah. He almost, he almost looks like, uh, um, Michael Jackson from the, uh, Smooth oh, criminal. Man. What's what video is that? The uh, the smooth criminal one. Yeah, smooth criminal video. Thank you. <laughs> I was I was like I know it says Annie. Are you okay? What the hell is that song called? <laughs> <laughs> um, but Wait, so yeah, what do you and, mean it was done from five or different angles? Yeah. Well, okay. So they they have so they actually staged that. Um, those people are actually you know I mean obviously oh, sure, not, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, a, it's not graphic design because it was 1979, but they basically, they had those people stage that photo and then they took, they took a picture of that staging from like five or six different angles. Uh-huh. And then they, they put those different angles, uh, you know, they, they just distributed the angles to different albums. Wow. What a piss poor oh. way to say that. Are, are you saying that some 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 like stations got different covers? But it well, was all even the same. even even the public. I mean, if if you and it oh, actually, I I, I believe it was sold in just like a brown paper album cover, um, almost oh, like really? the uh, yeah, almost like the John and Yoko John album. And Yoko thing. Yeah, 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 and. Um, and I, so I, I don't even think that when when someone was buying it from a record store, I don't think they knew which they knew. cover they were oh, going to get. Wow, that's which is pretty cool. Yeah, um, yeah. But that's some you know shit Zepp- I would do Zeppelin, if I was you know that, where they were. <laughs> yeah, and, but you know Zeppelin was they were I, I think they were bigger into that than we'd think because you know they was it Led Zeppelin three that had the little wheel thing that you could move and change what pictures were. Oh right, yeah, no, and then you had um, um, in physical, physical graffiti, graffiti where you yeah. could swap out the faces. 
Um, yeah, because I actually have that. I have an original physical graffiti. Um, Do you really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. I got it at a show one time. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I'll do this thing sometimes where I go to a record convention and I'll find some like crazy jazz album that's like super rare and some guy doesn't know what he's, you know, what he has and I'll get it for like nothing and I'll take it to the a guy on the other corner of the room and be like, "Hey, I have this album. Will you trade me that album for this guy?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah." And then I'll get physical graffiti for $2. <laughs> <laughs> but uh um they're like, hell yeah, I'll take a George Benson breezing without a scratch. I'll take that. <laughs> oh, yeah. But um, but yeah, yeah, because I had that one and like I, I started messing with it. But then I was like, oh, I kind of don't want to keep fucking with it because I don't want to fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, that one definitely is interactive with the you can flip it and change the faces and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. That's so cool. I, mean, I had no then, idea. Yeah. About well, then, in through the yeah. outdoor. Yeah, well, and, and, you know, of course, Led Zeppelin 4, um, which is, you know, probably the most famous album of theirs yeah. among non-Zeppelin people because it has Stairway yeah. on it. But, you it's know, that album is a pop cluster ever, I feel Right, like. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but, you know, the, the album cover, it didn't have any, it didn't have the band name, it didn't have the title of an album, it was just... It was just a photo. old dude with some sticks. Yeah, just an old <laughs> dude with some sticks, man. And and uh, you know, who doesn't love an old dude with sticks? Um, hey, man, if he can bring it. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but that's uh, like one of those. That's like one of those album covers where, like, when you hear what the album actually is, you're like, oh, I wasn't gonna, I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting some folk shit, but that's great. Yeah. I love it. What you, I mean, there's some folk shit involved in what they do, but still. Um, oh yeah. But like, it's like, yeah, I don't know. That should that would be a good topic sometime uh, for this series, whatever. Is like an album cover that really didn't match the album. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. That would be, be a really really good one. Like one yeah. that's like all like looks like also like warm and welcoming, and it's like or something that looks so like out there, and you listen to it, and it's just like the chillest, like <laughs> most yeah. like warmth thing you've ever heard. And you're like, oh uh, yeah, well d- yeah, don't I would never don't, look don't at that wish- album again. <laughs> Yeah, don't don't you wish just once that like the album cover designer for like Cannibal Corpse had designed like a Nora Jones album cover or something? <laughs> just why don't those genres ever cross? Why don't <laughs> why don't I ever see the the death metal art uh, uh, graphic designer in the singer songwriter world? What's the yeah. what's yeah. up with that limitation? Why are you, you're limiting yourself? <laughs> Um, All right, I can take my swing unless you have anything else to say about uh, Into the Outdoor. Oh, the, in, so the, 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 the last thing I'll say about Fool in the Rain, uh, it, it's it's a very cool drum beat. Um, my, my best friend's a drummer and, uh, and a huge Zep guy. And so when when I was in college and we, we roomed together for a couple of years, I learned just about everything there is to learn about Led Zeppelin drumming. Mm. Um and if you get on YouTube, there is a great outtake. And it, I mean, you just you just Google "fool in the rain" drums outtake, uh, mm. or YouTube it, and it it it's just John Bonham just playing that beat. And that I mean, you can hear how complicated it is because, um, you know, he's he's kind of doing some triplets on the hi hat, some interesting 
footwork. He's playing ghost notes on the snare between beats. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a very, very cool. It's just a very, very, very cool beat. And if you can find that outtake and it it's if if you yeah. are even a little bit into drums, it is it is borderline pornographic to listen to it. I mean, it's great. <laughs> so hmm. I need to check that out. All right. Let's get back to this shuffle. All right. Hitting the button. Okay. I got badge. By cream. Nice. All right. So this is what I know about the song. Uh, obviously, Cream, um, this is their farewell album um, off of Goodbye. Uh, it was not, I think, I think it, I think they give production credits to George Harrison, but it was really like he made up the main little rhythm riff or whatever for the song. Right. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's the only background I really know about the song. Um, the song's really groovy. It's uh, it's like it's just a kind of kind of a random s- story song, I guess. Um, but it's just, I don't know. My favorite part, I guess, about the song isn't like the 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 groove, like the the boom 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 boom. Like that's great. That's classic. I love that. But my favorite part of the song that always like, you know, makes my ears tilt forward and, and, and get excited is the little breakdown, the little hook or the little um, um, guitar solo part that I believe that's George's part. Uh, just that little breakdown in the middle or, or after each uh, chorus, I believe. Um, yeah. I haven't listened to that song in a little bit. Um, but that little dun 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 like, or, or, or that might, might be right. But like this, this that one little um, guitar part of his uh, by itself is just like, I don't know, it's a, it's a great shift for the song because the song sounds like it's like this funky, funky thing because of that bass-driven part throughout the like, majority of it. And right. all of a sudden it just kind of stops, gets quiet. And then that guitar cuts through. I think what's cool about that song is it's a nice, like back and forth between the rhythm section and that lead guitar, you know, it's like a very good, like trade off. Oh, yeah. And then you go right back into singing with the rhythm section. Um, that's just, that's just a classic song. Um, if you haven't heard it, but, uh, that, that, and, um, I don't know, just thinking about the history. Cause I think, let me, let me make sure since it's right in front of me. The album came out in 1969, so this was like this is pinnacle George. This was George when he was at his you know height and was like the you know he was handing out his talent to like anybody who was willing to listen. And uh, you know Clapton was his boy, so I'm sure Clapton knew he's like yeah no 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 you got you got some stuff cooking. <laughs> come on over, come hang out with me and Ginger Baker. We'll figure it out. Yeah. And. Uh, and yeah, man, I don't know. This, this track's just classic, man. I, I love, I love that '69 through '71 era of George, man. It's oh, just yeah. anything that his name's on is just like untouchable. It's just like flawless. I mean, anything he did with Ringo, perfect. <laughs> anything he did with Clapton, great. Anything he did with the Beatles, amazing. It's just, I don't know. And this is, this is definitely a part of that catalog. Oh, without a doubt. Do you know? Um, did, did you read Eric Clapton's autobiography? No, I haven't actually. Okay. It, it's, it's pretty good. Um, if, if you like stories about how much 
cocaine Phil Collins used to do. Um, but, by the My way, God. I feel like I say the word cocaine about once an episode that that I stick well, with you. It's, you know, it's really I think weird. You, I think it's because our ears still are geared towards, you know, the generation before or before that, what have you. And so there's just a lot of of that substance threaded throughout the history. I just think that you can't, you can't, you can't, uh, uh, can't not see it if you're really paying attention. Right. So in, in Eric Clapton's autobiography, which I, I read my freshman year of college and I, and I'm assuming that's when it came out cause it was a hardback. Um, mm. normally I don't, I don't buy hardbacks unless I, unless it's a brand new release. Um, mm. But he was he was telling the story and the, the way Eric Clapton told it, it almost sounded like a scene out of a Woody Allen movie or something. But, um, you know, so George was married to Patty Boyd. And while their relationship was deteriorating, Eric Clapton mm-hmm. had an affair with Patty Boyd, yeah. and, which apparently George knew about and didn't really think much of. And apparently he was in the Clapton sister, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's some weird. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, freaking hippies. Yeah, I know. Right. (laughs) Uh, But there was there was one day where, um, you know, I think George had gone over to Eric's house or maybe the other way around. But they were they were just like strolling the grounds and talking Mm -hmm. about things. And and uh, George apparently said to Eric, well, you know, do you do you love Patty? do you want to marry her? And Eric said, yeah, I love her. I want to marry her. And George goes, all right, well, I guess I should divorce her then. (laughs) He's like, like George Harrison is such an interesting person, like in many facets, but just like, and how he like prioritizes things like in his life is just so interesting. And And I'm sure being thrown into the world of Beatlemania when you're like, because how old was he when that like really took off? He was probably like what nineteen or twenty. Uh, yeah, when at they the first most. really started. Yeah, so I mean, he didn't even know who he was. <laughs> and, no, you're right. uh, and so I can just imagine how many weird, like how he felt about relationships and that. I don't know, growing up in that kind of world, like goodness, I don't even know. Like what what would you, what would you consider like? what's normal. There is no normal. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, Oh, my best friend is into my current wife. Well, I'm kind of out of it anyways. I'm not paying attention. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. But it's crazy. It is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some of those weird things where you're like, wow, those guys are really talented. And you look in their personal life, you're like, Hmm, they're kind of all over the place, huh? <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, so all of their attention just goes to that thing that they're really good at. Um, <laughs> and they're just kind of trying their best at everything else. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I can't remember. And I, I think it was, uh, I mean, it was, a, it was a book about an athlete. I think I can't remember who, and I, I feel bad for not remembering, but, you know, they were talking about how, um, you know, people who aren't, uh, superstars at something, you know, they, what their life about is, is about is finding some sort of balance, right? And you hear that all the time, mm. work-life balance and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I, th- I think when you are a superstar at something, be it, you know, music or politics or sports or whatever, yeah. you don't you don't know what that balance is because the scale is is tipped so heavily in favor of whatever you are into, 
And yeah, so you, or you, like you never the cutting edges. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, you don't, you don't have to balance anything and no one wants you to balance anything until yeah. they want you to balance it. In which case you, you, you know, you can't do it. You're, you're, it's a, it's a deficiency in the lifestyle. And that's why I mm. decided to not pursue a career in professional sports. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All that to say, here is my thesis on why I did <laughs> Yeah. I was going to play pro hockey, but I grew up in Texas and the nearest ice is several hundred miles away. <laughs> <Damn> but, um, <laughs> they didn't open a star center till way Yeah, later. exactly. <laughs> yeah. I was already 16 and I, you know, <laughs> I didn't know what to do. That was out of my no. prime. <laughs> Actually, no, in, in all serious, this is a very quick story. When I was in, I was like five or six years old and took a field trip with my daycare over the summer to the Galleria, mm. the, the Dallas Galleria that had an ice rink in it. Mm -hmm. And there was a guy in my class uh, who was skating and kind of lost control and smacked his head on the little door frame of the little gate that opens to let you yeah, onto the ice oh and knock like three teeth out. Oh now, you know, we were Hockey. six or whatever. So it was all, it was all baby teeth. It doesn't really matter, but you know, when you're, <laughs> it doesn't count. Old, you're fine. I know. And, and, but you know, you're six years old and you see this like classmate lying in a heap in this pool of blood, which looks <laughs> so stark on the, you know, on the white, you know, yeah. pure as the driven snow, white ice. Um, <laughs> just it, an you know, obliterated just, colleague. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's it, like I'm not trying to compare it to war or anything, but you know, <laughs> like imagine being on like you just you just land in in Vietnam, and like as you get off the plane, the guy next to you gets his head oh, blown God. off or something, and it's like, oh, okay. I guess this takes me right back to me. when my classmate lost a handful of teeth. <laughs> On the rink. <laughs> oh my God! Did he survive? He's like, yeah, he's six. Oh, His teeth yeah, grew back. Was, and it was no big deal. Uh, he, he skated the same day we he fell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It, it, I, I suppose if it was real war, they would have to like cauterize his gums with a with a <laughs> with a napalm grenade or something. But oh Lord, <laughs> a flamethrower. Um. Okay, well, I'll do. <laughs> Let's yeah, switch what it up. Necessarily graphic thing to say. Um, <laughs> okay, shuffle time. Oh, interesting. Okay, I got. Um, I ain't the same by Alabama Shakes. Uh, oh, Sam, we've never nice. talked about Alabama Shakes. Are you an Alabama yeah. Shakes person? Oh yeah, man. Uh, girls and boys and sounding uh, um, color. color. Man. Yeah, man, so good, man. Yeah. yeah, and so um, I ain't the same. That is on uh, Boys and Girls. Uh, that oh, was sorry. released. Yeah, I, I, you know, it doesn't really matter. Girls and boys, boys and girls, either way. Um, <laughs> that was released. I had just graduated college when that album, or well, I'd maybe been out a year or something, but I know it was shortly after I graduated college. Mm. Uh, great album, great band. Alabama Shakes is a cool band. They are from Alabama. They were originally called the Shakes, and then it turned out that there were like ten million other bands also called the Shakes. And oh, so when the they, oh wow, <laughs> I didn't yeah. Know and when That's when awesome. they signed with their uh, record label, they they threw Alabama on the front, and nice. uh, 
Yeah, the uh, so the lead singer and lead guitarist, uh, well, rhythm guitarist and sometimes lead guitarist, her name is Brittany Howard. Yeah, she's and, amazing. Uh, oh, yeah, she's great because, I, you know, it's got it's got such that great kind of neo soul or funk or whatever. I mean, it's just got a lot of soul, man. It's yeah. Like that. That's like what cuts through with her, man. I mean, even like, have you listened to her solo album? Um, I have. Yeah. Yeah, like that's super good. I mean, I mean, she's got Childish Gambino on it. That dude doesn't do anything, especially feature on something unless he really likes somebody. Right. <laughs> and like, it's just so good. Like her voice is awesome, man. And and but that that album though, Sound and Color, like there hasn't been they haven't released an album since that one. That was 2015, right? And like, like man, like I like I just it's it's one of those, they're one of those groups where like. There's so many people like, you know, I listen to musically, but like anytime they pop back into my mind or like one of their songs play, I, that's the first thing I think of is like, man, like I love her solo album, but like, I can't wait till like their next one. Um, but it, it's purely not off of like, you know, me knowing the band or anything like that, but knowing them through the experience of their, their two albums, but primarily, I mean, like sound and color is so good. I, ha- I have that on, on vinyl. Um, it's just, man, it, it's so solid. I mean, like sound and color is a, a beautiful opener. Uh, don't want to fight no more is amazing. I mean, literally the whole album I love, <laughs> like, like it's yeah. so good. Like this feeling and dunes and like, man, give me all your love. Like, give me all your love is such a good, like, that's like a song I would expect out of like Janis Joplin, you know, or yeah. like someone that like really brings the heat, um, oh, yeah. vocally, you know, um, and just like, I don't know, man, it's just such a, a, a good album. Like, I don't know. That's the one thing. Like, I know they're, they're probably like individually, they're satisfied. I'm happy for them. Like they've achieved something absolutely commercially and, and, and just as the work as itself, it's great. Um, and like just me being an eager fan, I just want that, you know, the next album, the next installment, just because it, that last one was so good. And it was like, you know, it's like a, a life ago from or a lifetime ago for me, um, just me particularly because I mean I, when Sound and Color came out, I remember when that came out because I was in college and there was all these things happening and and so like to me it's like I was a different person when that came out. So like I would love to hear them again. And her solo album was a great experience. I don't want to like say that was like you know totally different or anything like that. But my uh, God, which, like which Sound I and Color is called, amazing. Oh yeah, I th- was her solo album called Jamie or I think it was called Jamie. Yeah, something like yeah. that. I think so. Yeah. And, and yeah, so, so, um, I ain't the same as on boys and girls and that's mm-hmm. the more kind of traditional kind of, what would you go like roots? If you had to put it, if you had to pin it in one genre, would you say like maybe roots rock kind of, well, um, yeah, but a lot like of some kind of like Nashville rock or like, yeah, just alternative just a, something. Right. Know. But it, just a ton of just effortless soul. And that's, you know, that's the thing about soulful people, right? Is it Mm. has to be effortless, you know, but Paul McCartney can have soul when he needs to have soul, but it, you know, he strains to do it where Aretha Franklin and James Brown and even, even, uh, you ever listen to St. Paul and the Broken Bones? Oh yeah. That dude is crazy, man. Yeah. And I mean, and he's some plumpy white dude from Georgia (laughs) and he's got nothing but soul just emanating from him. And then, uh, big time. Well, I mean, you look at someone like Jim Morrison that had no vocal training, no lyrical training, no, you know, uh, uh, 
outward projective, you know, training of like how to like find your character and your voice. But like he was just, he found his niche, you know, I don't know if it was a, a confidence thing and he was just like willing to do it, you know, for the group or for his own sake. But it's just like that type of thing. Cause I just, you know, I, when you talk to guys that like the doors or whatever, and you talk about his vocals and it's like, it's one of those things where like, man, there's just so much like, it's like, I know sometimes it's not proper, but like, it's just got so much like charisma and like soul behind it. You know, it's just like, man, it's got me convinced, you know, of whatever he's talking about. And like, that's that jive. That's that, that's that stuff you're wielding when you can really project it and really, you know, hold what you're trying to, present you know like yeah. the have you, have you ever heard of the bastards of soul that's a local group oh yeah in dallas oh man, yeah i like love man, the bastards of soul man they're so good man and and like their lead singer like man it's just like that's when i was vocalist man it's just like when when he cuts through it's just like woo like you just feel it man and like yeah, yeah britney is like definitely one of those i mean yeah i'm just i like she's one of those people where like, I'm sure like she's going at her own pace and like you do you, I'm never going to judge you for being successful and then going at your own pace. I'm just excited. <laughs> I'm just yeah. want the next thing, you know? Cause I mean, like I love like what she's done solo stuff with the shakes. Um, you know, I just, I just want, I just want the next thing like any eager person, but man, sound and color has got, yeah, definitely has a special place. Um, in my, in my, uh, heart. Cause it's just, it's so damn good, man. It's just so good. And it's just like, if you don't feel something or if one, not one of those songs stands out to you, like go see a therapist. Cause yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cause yeah, like, if, it's just so good, man. If, if the, if the title track from sound and color doesn't bring you some form of inner peace, then it, it may be time <laughs> to ask your doctor about Prozac. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, but no, but in that, so that was, um, cause you know, I loved, I loved the boys and girls album mm. and, and I got sound and color right when it came out. And, and the first time I listened to it, I didn't know what to think because it was such an expansion. Um, mm. cause it wasn't just that kind of rootsy soul rock stuff sure, it, you know yeah. it, it sounded more like an album that you would expect from an indie band and mm. uh and then on well, the production you know, quality is so good on that oh yeah album. i mean just so crisp and and but you know and then you listen to it the second time and you're like okay i think this album might pre be pretty good and then you listen to the third time you're like yeah this album's pretty damn good man <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, man yeah. that's like that, that's why they're one of those people like I don't know. I'm not trying to like blow myself up, but they're one of those people like on my short list that like whenever they pop back into my um, world, however, you know, organically through some other media or like through one of my playlists or something, I'm just like, damn, like when's the next thing coming? Cause I was just like, man, I just like, I just did, did you know, like them and Karungbin, they just get you, you know, they, yeah. they, they, they got a hold of my spine, man, you know? And yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's incredible. And it, it's, it's always great when a band can do that. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, no, and I'm with you. And, and, you know, we, we spoke, um, last time or time before last, I guess, uh, about how you and I are both, um, you know, when we listen to something the first time, it's generally rhythm and melody that gets to us. Mm, and yeah, and I, yeah. I think even soulful vocals will add so much to that quality, that rhythmic and melodic quality that, um, I, you know, I think that's, I think that's where soulful vocals can cut through the kind of melody and rhythm that you and I are more prone to hear first. 
Um, yeah. And, then, and, you know, and we still hear it, right? Because Krungbin and, and Alabama Shakes both just have, I mean, there are, there are no bad songs. There are no bad grooves. Um, yeah. You know, everything is just so... Yeah, I mean, it's like you said. It's it's it, it just it gets your it gets its hooks into you, and yeah, I, absolutely. Well, and, and like with Leon Bridges, I mean, like you, you have a, a strong vocalist that's accompanied by great musicianship, but it just cuts through every time. I mean, like um, um, uh, I think the song's called uh, "Bet Ain't Worth the Hand" or whatever. Um, like that song is right. phenomenal after his second album, and then it's like his vocal is just so. I mean, it's like Marvin Gaye. It's just like so vibrant and like expressive. It's just like, it's, it's what you would dream of a singer to channel, you know, to like feel so confident and just groove through that charisma and, and just really nail it. I mean, it's phenomenal. Um, yeah. And it's also, I just want to throw this comment out there because I'm, I assume we're probably going to wrap up here in a little bit that I, I appreciate that you know, a handful of the people we've talked about, um, you know, minus the shakes and stuff like that, but like, you know, I've been, you know, Texan artists and it's just, it's just so crazy sometimes to like realize like, like today, today is actually the 25th anniversary of the, of Erica Badu's debut album. Um, nice. Baduism. Um, and, and like, there's another vocalist, another, you know, Neo soul founder, basically, if you want to put it that way, queen of Neo soul that it was just, uh, you know, it's just game changing, you know? I mean, like I interviewed a drummer, his name is AC Capers, um, such a good guy. And like, it's like, you know, he, he just talks about how much, you know, like he respects, you know, the, the trade and all that, but like being able to know people that were in the room when Neo soul was phrased or coined and, and just realized like, like there's just so much like complexity and expression and like, I don't know, man. It's just so much vibrance to to music and and those the the soul category, I guess. Um, it just, I don't know. It just makes it almost magical, just especially when you find that one vocalist that can just really cut through and 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 just really nail what the 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 dynamics of the song need and what the 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 verses are are trying to express. And, um, I mean, that's why Brittany for the, the shakes is just such an awesome fit and, and an awesome talent. Um, I mean, without her, I mean, that sound and color or, or any of that wouldn't probably be as impactful to me. Um, I mean, literally, unless it was, uh, done the same way, just a different vocalist, just because it's just so well done. And, and so, I mean, she just nailed it. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just kind of rounding off a lot of different things, but um, and, and by the yeah, way, Robert Plant has a home in Austin now, so I think Led Zeppelin is oh, actually really? a Texas band now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now they those, now those and, people and, in Birmingham, England can can piss right off if they think they get to claim Led Zeppelin anymore. <laughs> it's like a, a, a state Led Zeppelin estate residency. Yeah. Texas. <laughs> he, he had some he had some snakeskin boots or something on when I saw him at ACL about 15 years ago but <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, him and Allison yeah. Crow. Well, I guess it was it was the 2008 maybe ACL maybe 2000 I don't know they run together to me but um <laughs> it, it was a great show but yeah, I think I and he does own a home in Austin so yeah, I think I think Robert Plant is now officially a Texas band and 
um, I'm going to go ahead and make the decision that that it's retroactive. So Led Zeppelin is from Texas. <laughs> I'm going to make the legal decision for them. Yeah. Well, I am a lawyer. That's why I went to school. So it counts. This whole time has been pivotal to this moment yeah. of me establishing <laughs> that their new home is Texas. <laughs> Man. Well, hey – I think uh, I I think I think song roulette. I think that needs to be a. I think that should happen again sometime. This yeah, is, yeah, fun. It's, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess if uh, if for whatever reason if we have a bad batch, we need to switch to another topic. <laughs> yeah, or, or just keep shuffling until we have something to say. <laughs> yeah. So I do, I do. I don't want to talk the, about that one. Keep shuffling. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, oh, so the, okay, that would be an interesting thing to end on if you're game. I would like to shuffle one more time and just say what it is. We don't have to talk about it. We don't have to say the, oh, the, the song, okay. the artist, and the album. Okay. And then we can then we can sign off because all right, um, well, I get to make one comment and then we sign. Off. Yeah, that, that's fair. I think I think the I think the ice in my bourbon has officially melted all the way, and it's about time for a <laughs> refill anyway. So. I uh, should probably get downstairs and refill it. But um, yeah, after you. Oh, me. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, to keep so the you, order. <laughs> okay. So do you want me to shuffle and then you shuffle and we only make one comment each? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. So, so, so um, uh, song title, artist, album title, one comment. Okay. All right. Shuffle. All right. I got... Wow, I got. I'm, well, I guess I started with Karungbin, so that's recent. I was going to say we have a lot of older songs. I have. Well, here, let me play so it'll be bigger. I have Main Man by uh, T Rex. Oh, T Rex, the, the great Mark Bowen. Uh, only comment I have on that is it's a great song, great album. Uh, album cover was taken a photo, random photograph done by Ringo Starr. Just so you know. Um, only really thing I'll say is great track, and there are two awesome covers by two of my favorite bands. Portugal the Man does a version of it for Dallas Buyers Club soundtrack, super good. And then Father John Misty does like a more like Father John Misty style version of it um, Love for Father the John tribute. Misty. Man, so good. Uh, he does a version of it for the tribute album for Mark Bolin, which I believe is called and the Angelic Haired Hipster or something like that. Um, <laughs> But uh, both versions are super cool. Portugal and Man's a little more chill. Father John Misty's a little more epic. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Super good. That's all I got. <laughs> okay. Here we go. <laughs> okay. Bear with me because it might take me two tries to pronounce it correctly. Okay. <laughs> So I drew Pithecanthropus erectus by Charles oh. Mingus from the album Pithecanthropus erectus. <laughs> Good old Mingus. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, okay. Well, I am glad it drew the, the, the title track because I do have exactly one fact about that song that I know. I okay. do, it's a great song. It's, it's about 10 minutes long. It's in yeah. just great Mingus. But... The one thing I will say is that 
um, that song was written. So, so uh, Pithecanthropus erectus was a fossil that was discovered. Um, and, okay, and that, that some scientists, right. right. Yeah. And, and some, some scientists thought it, that it may have been the quote unquote missing link between oh, the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the last of the chimpanzee like men and the, the first man like men. Mm-hmm. Um, but when Charles Mingus wrote that song, he wrote it as a, basically a 10 minute, um, I think he called it a tonal poem or a melody poem or something like that that was basically supposed to represent the evolution of man. Oh, wow. And if you listen to it with that in mind, you can start to hear it, or at least as much as you can hear it in any jazz song because it's jazz and, you know, to each their own. But, um, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so, uh, (laughs) so yeah, there's my one Pithecanthropus erectus, um, And I apologize to uh, Latin scholars and archaeologists everywhere for butchering that <laughs> three or four times just now. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. I've seen I've seen the album. I can't recall if I've listened to that one, um, but I didn't know that that's what it stood for, or at least yeah. that song. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's a cool song. He did the that that was also I think that whole album was one where he didn't arrange it on paper. He, he they arranged it by ear, kind of as oh, they wow. were recording, which which wow. became kind of a Mingus staple. Mm. Um, but was that uh, a sixties yeah. album? Uh, no, I'm, let me look. I, I'm going to say nineteen fifty four or five, maybe. Oh, okay. Uh, my phone says 1956. Okay. So grain of salt. That's cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. It's awesome. You ever listen to the stuff he did with Joni Mitchell? Oh yeah. It's great. I I love when they sing happy birthday to him. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. You ever listen to the album she did after that? That's still kind of like jazz inspired. The one with like Edith and the Kingpin and stuff. Oh yeah. It, yeah, listen, man, man so I love Joni Mitchell. I could listen to her sing the phone book, man. I, 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 I will well, listen. Dude, to- one of my, one, it, it's uh, within this last year, um, at least this is one of the last things I can, I can say that's uh, semi-related. Within this last year, one thing that I've really come to respect and enjoy is that Joni Mitchell live album that she does right after the Mingus album um, with a whole jazz uh uh, backing Ensemble. band yeah um, yeah that uh it's a shadow and light um right or yeah uh and it's so good man you got you got freaking jacko pistorius on on uh bass and and the great uh pat metheny metheny on um on uh guitar but man like it, it's like it's just such it's a good album man but there's one that that one particular song is like magical to me. The Edith and the Kingpin, the live version of it, just because it's oh, got yeah. such an odd timing, and her vocal is just so warm and good. Uh, it's such a cool track, man. I've, I think I've brought it up before on the show, but like that's one song that, like, if I could ever find like a, a, a clean and clever way to cover it, like I would love to honor that song just because it's like, it's such an interesting song. Like I don't know, it's just such a cool, cool arrangement, particularly the live version of it, which is a little like it's not like super like you know epic but it's just got this like mystical feeling to it it's just it's just so good man i just i just love that album <laughs> so good so good yeah man well, man good stuff i appreciate man. it yeah dude 
Uh, always, man. I appreciate you making the time and, uh, Looks like shuffle roulette worked out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was none worried. Of us got like, you know, like I got like the good and the bad and the ugly like interlude and song. I'm like, oh, well, let me talk about this again for five more minutes. <laughs> oh yeah, well, and, like some sometimes um, I have a couple friends and and sometimes we will uh, record ourselves playing songs and send it to one another. Mm. And uh, I I was terrified one night. I will, I will admit that I, uh, had a little, well, I had a lot too much to drink and, um, I thought that I would look up the chords to here I go again on my own by white snake oh, and yeah. just see what I could do. And I like right before, right before we went live on this chat, I literally had the thought through my go through my head that was, um, what do I do if the thing that comes up is me drunkenly singing here I go again on my own while I play <laughs> slightly out of tune on my acoustic guitar? <laughs> so I'm, no, I'm just, glad I didn't have to talk about here I go again on my own, especially not my version of it. But <laughs> Well, you, you bring this up. I don't know why I'm just imagining like you coming into the chat just already being halfway into it. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> we fade in as I'm going, and I know what it means. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Let me put this down. <laughs> oh, oh, I didn't, hey, Sam, didn't, didn't like see a, you there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was going to say like that old 60s, 70s crap. I'm like, oh, hi. I didn't see you there. My name's... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like Ferris Bueller. <laughs> Go home. Oh, it's man. over. Uh, <laughs> man, I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's been fun. Well, I guess uh, till next time, next week, same bad time. time. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> All right, dude. Well, I'll catch you later, man. Bye.